Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, and welcome to the Business with Beers podcast. This episode is part of a weekly series called Franchise Fridays in which every Friday, we have an episode dedicated to helping you create freedom by owning a franchise. My family has been in the franchise business for over 45 years. My brother and I took over our family's franchise auto repair business and grew it from six locations to 30, now doing over $36 million a year. And I've learned that one of the best ways that you can accelerate your growth as a franchisee is to surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs who are a couple steps ahead of you, And for those with W-2 jobs who are looking to find a franchise, you need a confidential community to ask questions and get support. I just launched a free private community for those wanting to learn more about buying and operating franchises. Go to brianbeers.com slash community to learn more and join. Today's episode is about why franchises are easy to roll up. And by roll up, I'm talking about growth through acquisition buying an existing unit and consolidating them under your umbrella company. This is the strategy that we've used to grow from the six locations to 30 within the last six years, with majority of the growth coming over the last 18 months. So to start, I want to go over the timeline of how we grew. And then I'm going to talk about the three lessons that I learned in, in this whole process. My dad and uncle started in 1976 with one location. And they grew through acquisition. They bought out other existing franchisees. They also opened new locations from scratch, and they sold a few along the way. When I joined in 2010, we had six locations in Philly doing, um, I don't know, five and a half million or so in in sales. I'm kind of barely getting by. My brother, Chris, joined a few years after me. And we spent the next five to six years learning the business, networking with other franchisees, implementing new ideas, failing at many of those ideas, building the culture, and ultimately building the sales and cash flow of the business. But my brother and I wanted to make more money. And since our dad and uncle owned 100% of the company, the only way that could happen is if we acquired more locations that we owned independently. So that's what we did. We went out and got a bank loan 2016 to acquire two locations in the Philly market from an older franchisee who was looking to retire. And he was someone that we had established a relationship with over the last couple of years. And those two locations became our catalyst for growth. And in 2017, we acquired another location using the profits we made from the first two acquisitions. 2018, we opened a new location from scratch and acquired another one using owner financing for the first time. Both of them were funded by cash flow from the first three locations that we acquired. We now had five under ourselves plus the original six. You know, all operated as one company, but with different ownership structures. 2019, we acquired another location, again using owner financing and the down payment funded by cash flow of the existing five. This is a common theme you know, and, and how we've grown, which is to take the money that we're making and compound it by reinvesting it back into the business by 
you know, fueling growth by investing in marketing, by investing in new equipment. And that, you know, if we took out that cash then to go buy a bigger house, buy a bigger car, whatever it is, you know, that would have stunted our growth and we wouldn't have not gotten to where we're at today. But instead, we have discipline. We saw the bigger picture. We said, hey, we're going to take the money we're making and continue to reinvest, reinvest, reinvest. And you get this hockey stick effect of growth where now today we've built a pretty sizable company by compounding the returns. And so that's a good lesson for anybody who's in growth mode is take, you know, live off of whatever you can, but the rest, you know, save it and continue to reinvest it. And in 2020, during COVID, we took a break, you know, for obvious reasons, and we wanted to strategize on what's next. Up until that point, all of our success had been local in the Philadelphia market. And we knew if we could go into a new market and have the same level of success, that it would open the door to many other opportunities. So in late 2020, all through early or late 2020, all through early 2021, we worked on a deal to acquire seven locations in North slash central New Jersey that we closed in June of 2021. You know, in the seller, I had been uh, cultivating a relationship for multiple years. And this led to a win-win owner finance deal where, you know, we got a great deal for a great group of stores. The seller got a bunch of money up front and then, you know, reliable monthly payments from me, who's a very good borrower. And this opened the door to the New Jersey market, which we then later acquired four more locations from two other sellers between December of 21 to February of 22. Then in June of 2022, we acquired five more shops in Allentown, PA, in a single deal, which established a third market. Similar to the New Jersey deal, it was somebody who'd been a franchisee for a long time, was looking to retire, and I had already established a relationship with him. Along the way, we also opened up a brand new location in Philly and acquired another single store. So that brings us to today with 30 locations, the six original, two open from scratch, and 22 acquired uh, locations. And you may think that my story is unique, but it is not. I have friends in the automotive space who executed the exact same strategy. I know guys in fast food who've grown 10 times more than me running the same playbook. There's others in junk removal, carpet cleaning, truck washing, and many other franchise concepts. This strategy can work in almost any industry with almost any franchise that meets certain criteria. So what did I learn from all this? You know, why did I learn that franchises are easy to roll up? And it comes down to really three things. Number one is plug and play. That when, when you buy a new location, it is plug and play right into your company. Those, because those new locations, they're using the same software as your other locations or territories or whatever it is. They're following the same core process, whether it's checklists, whether it's, you know, uniforms, obviously they have the same brand, all that stuff. But on day one of acquisition, not much changes from an operational standpoint. The customers have no idea that it changes. The employees continue to follow the same process. Yes, we have a new credit card terminal. Yes, they're getting paid by you know a different bank account, but it's business as usual. And that makes for a very smooth transition. That makes for you know very high retention of the staff who are obviously nervous about change. But you know, once they start to see you know, some of the positive changes we're making, they, they get excited and, and usually we, we have a lot of success. Compare that to acquiring a bunch of independent businesses. And I'm not sure what the opposite of plug and play is, 
But I'm picturing you're traveling to Europe and you have got this like big block of power adapters that you're just like trying to plug in one to another and, and trying to make it all work to connect your PlayStation only to have like the whole thing short out on you. And every company would be running a different point of sale or like scheduling software. You'd have to get everyone on the same system. You'd have to retrain all the employees of how to use your new system, which you'll probably get a bitch about saying how their old system was so much better. Then after you spend eight weeks training everybody, they quit and you have to start all over again. Also, the independent businesses are going to be following some sort of unique process that's you know ingrained by the owner. In an auto repair, they might be doing heavy transmission work, engine work, body work, you know, tinting, stereo systems, all these things that we don't do as a franchise. So day one, we're cutting all that stuff. We're throwing out old equipment or selling stuff we're not going to use. And we're going to require that everybody wears uniforms and that every car gets inspected following the same checklist. And we answer a phone a certain way. We sell tires. We do this. We do that. And there's many guys that are going to resign because they don't want to follow our process. They don't want to change, which is honestly a good thing in the long run. But over the short term, that creates a lot of pain to have turnover and to have to restaff stores. All totally doable, all possible. It's just that's going to slow down growth. You know, in previous episodes, I talked about the benefit of franchising is the speed to scale and that you can grow very quickly within a franchise system for many reasons. One of them is that it's this plug and play. You're buying locations. You're not going to have a lot of turnover initially. And you can continue to just do this one after another after another and not get slowed up by resignation, restaffing, you know, cash flow crunches and all that. Because with a franchise, you can literally flip ownership and nothing changes for the front line. And obviously, we have our flavor of operating and that flavor is blended in over a couple weeks. But usually we start small and then you know we ramp up to the, the, the bigger ones. But a lot of times those initial changes are for the good. We're investing in computers, new computers, new equipment. We're painting the buildings. We're updating the lights. Maybe we're updating the waiting room. Maybe we're adding tires or inventory to the store that they never had. Maybe we're hiring new staff, we're training new staff, we're bringing in new payment options. And a lot of times, the existing staff is actually very excited for these changes that they've wanted and probably been asking for for a while, but the seller who's on his way out, you know, is is not going to be investing cash in these things if he's got, you know, a due date to, to expire and get out of the system. And so as a franchisee, once you get a couple acquisitions on under your belt, you can take on bigger and bigger deals. You know, we would have been scared shitless of acquiring seven shops in a new market all at once, taking on, you know, millions of dollars of debt if we hadn't acquired six locations prior to that. If that was our first deal, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we would have done it. However, today, if we had an opportunity to acquire 20, 30, 40 locations and double in size, it would be a lot of work, but I know we could handle it. And I know ultimately we'd have a lot of success, you know, in, in three months down the line. Number two is that franchises are closed networks. Think of it as a country club. You know, hard to get in, but once you're in, you know, you instantly kind of have relationships, you have friendships, you're part of the club. And as part of the club, franchisees want to sell to other franchisees. They don't want to list their business with a broker on the open market. They are afraid that their employees will find out that the business is for sale. They will quit due to fear of pending change. And ultimately set the seller back years if they totally have to restaff the business. Now, the likelihood of that scenario playing out in real life is probably pretty slim, but the fear of it is enough to keep sellers from wanting to list their business in public. 
And the other issue in selling to outsiders is that a franchisor has to approve of them. The new buyer has to complete the required training. And it's possible that a seller could spend months working with a potential buyer only to have the franchisor not approve them at any point or the buyer backs out. Maybe they go to training, maybe they do some more due diligence and they get cold feet. And you just wasted three, six, nine months of your time. But when you sell to an existing franchisee, you don't, they don't have to go through the training and the process to get approved by the franchisor is much quicker and much easier as long as they're you know, in good standing with the franchisor. The other part of this is part of this closed network is that franchise owners have insight into the performance of other franchise owners. You know, so we can see what their sales are. We can see who's struggling and may want to sell. And we also know who the top performers are that we can go and learn best practices from. We also have the contact information for every owner in the system. So think about the power of that for a moment. If you're in acquisition mode, you want to roll up a bunch of independent businesses. Think about the amount of work it would take to figure out, number one, who the businesses are and who owns them to get the contact information. And number three, like it would be almost impossible to figure out the daily, weekly, monthly sales of each one of those competitors. And then even if you could figure all that and you figured out who was the low performer, who may want to sell, all this, then like, what's the likelihood of that owner having a conversation with you? It's probably pretty low, right? Because they're going to be suspicious of you and they're going to be concerned about their employees finding out, right? But you compare that to this closed network franchise system, you've got all the information, You've got franchisees that are more than willing to chat with each other and have open conversations about their retirement plans, who they're going to sell to. Maybe they have a GM. Maybe it's their son who's graduating from college soon. Right? Maybe they've already struck a deal with another local franchisee who has a first right of refusal. You know, all those things are possible. And a lot of the information you find out just by chatting with them. Like they want to talk to each other. We want to help each other. And, you know, we in a lot of cases. Franchisors want consolidation and will help facilitate these conversations. So for anyone who is looking to execute this roll-up strategy, it's nearly impossible to acquire your first location since the majority of them are sold internally. They're never going to get listed with a broker. You're never going to see them on biz buy sell. And if you do, chances are like all the other internal franchisees have already passed up those locations and so there could be a reason that nobody wants to buy it. So my recommendation is you open up your first location from scratch, then you start networking, you establish relationships, and then you can start this growth pattern as, as we have done. However, if you are dead set on acquiring that first location, while it's nearly impossible, it's not impossible, you can do it, but you're going to have to do a lot of legwork. You're going to have to you know, identify a brand within your local market that you really like. And maybe it's Midas, let's say. And maybe you live in Albuquerque, wherever. If it was me, I would then cold, I'd figure out who the owner, every owner of the shop is, and I'd cold call or cold email them just to let them know I'm interested in becoming a franchisee. I want to learn about the system. I want to know, you know, they seem experienced. I want to know, I want to know as much as I can. And there's two ways this could go. One way is that they could say, oh, great, I'm looking to sell. This guy seems really sharp, wants to grow, seems qualified. You know, I'm going to talk to him. Or they're going to say, you know, screw you. Don't talk to me. You know, maybe they want to grow and now they see you as a threat, right? It could go either way. But if this is something that you're interested in doing, just make sure that you talk to the franchisor first. You review the FDD. You make sure you're financially qualified. The last thing you want to do is waste anybody's time. 
So is possible. However, a lot of work um, when you're an outsider looking in. Once you're an insider, you got your foot in your door, much, much, much easier to execute this strategy. And the number three reason why franchises are easy to roll up is owner financing. You know, through our journey, we've done over four and a half million dollars of owner finance acquisitions. It's much quicker and easier than going to a bank. And we've gotten some very favorable terms, such as two and a half percent down, a three to four percent interest rates, payment over, you know, eight, 10, 13 years, and no personal guarantee. Those are obviously the highlight reels. Other deals, 20 to 25% down, 6% interest, payments over four to five years, many personal guarantees. But the beauty of owner financing is the flexibility. You have to create, you know, you have the ability to create these win-win deals. And with an owner finance deal, the seller of the business becomes the bank. And they get, if many, if not all, the same legal protections that a bank would. But trust is the biggest factor in your ability to get this owner financing. And trust comes with reputation and relationships. But in a franchise system, it's very easy to establish a reputation for being a good operator due to this closed network effect. Your name will be at the top of the sales reports. You know, perhaps you get recognized at annual conventions for a, a top performing franchisee with sales or growth or community or whatever it is. Maybe you actively participate in the meetings and different councils that a franchisor will put together. All that leads to your name, your reputation being one who's in the system. On the relationship side, you can establish a strong relationship with other franchisees by attending local meetings, all the annual conventions. You could set up coffee or lunch meetings to share best practices with individual franchisees or getting a small group together. You could host Zoom calls you know, like a webinar with franchises around the country to talk about best practices, to interview, you know, top performing guys, whatever it is. And for someone to who's looking to sell their business, who do you think they're going to choose between an outsider with no experience, another franchisee that maybe they've talked to a handful of times, or you, someone who's a top performer, who's energetic, who's a thought leader in the brand, right? It's an easy decision. And so all that can be done within a franchise system for those three reasons. Be on a lookout for another deep dive episode into structure and numbers of owner finance deals. Covered it kind of in a short here, but I'm going to do a whole deep dive later. So to wrap this up, there's no magic bullet when it comes to franchising. You can create a great business in almost any industry with almost any brand. The roll-up strategy works great for legacy brands that have a lot of units, but it's not the only way. Many people are crushing it, opening up new locations with an emerging brand. And I recently started a franchise consulting business where I work with a limited number of clients per month, helping them find the right franchise. And if you're serious and interested in working directly with me, shoot me a message on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or email me, Brian at Beers Podcast. You can find all my links in the show notes below. That's all I got for today. Have a great one. Cheers. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't.